My, my, my. Say yes. I'll just say yes. Somebody today, I want you to make a commitment to say yes to the Lord, to say yes to his word, to say yes to his way, to say yes to his will. To yield yourself to God so that God can make something beautiful out of your life, so that God can get you to the place that he wants you to be. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time today. Father, thank you for today. I pray now that you'll bless your word as it goes forth, that everything that we do and everything that we say will be pleasing in your sight and will bring glory and honor to you. May you be glorified, may your people be edified, and may the devil be horrified by the life change that will take place by the power of your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It was the state championship finals in track and field. Jonathan Edwards was entered in the state finals in the 400-meter dash. The 400-meter dash for many is considered the toughest of the races because it is not classified as a run, it's classified as a sprint. So even though there are strategies that come into play in the running of the race, you only have one lap, so you don't have a whole lot of time to overcome a mistake that's been made. Jonathan gets into the starting blocks, the gun fires, and he takes off. He is running in his lane, and he's doing pretty well as he gets into the first turn, but as he rounds that first turn and heads into the second turn, he begins to have some trouble with his breathing. It's as if he is hyperventilating. And so he notices this trouble and, and he's laboring, trying to keep up. Now he has lost his smooth, rhythmic form. His arms begin to move out of their positions. His legs begin to wobble as he heads around the second turn and he is approaching the halfway mark in the race and he notices that the runners are now moving a little ahead of him. He is falling behind. And at that moment, he has to make a decision. Will he finish the race as he is currently running it or will he make a change in how he's running his race? My brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but in the midst of this race called life, I have been struggling lately. There's been so many things going on, funerals, multiple deaths in our church family, not to mention just the stress associated with ministry, serving thousands of people every week, and managing our staff and our budget process, everything that's going on plus personal family matters that have come up over the last couple of weeks. Then we had Holy Week, and that was exhausting just because of the effort necessary to bring that to pass. Palm Sunday, Holy Week services, Good Friday services, Easter services, funerals on the Saturday, and then two services on Sunday. And, man, it has just been 
exhausting. I'm not tired of the work. I'm tired in it. Is there anybody who can amen me in the chat? That you just get to the place that you're worn out, that you're tired. And, and for many who run long-distance races in particular in track and field, uh, but some of us, we have this trouble in a sprint as well, uh, there are times when your body wants to shut down and say enough. And you have to discipline yourself to push through that place where you would normally give up, you would normally throw in the towel to catch your second wind so that you could run your race well. Today I want to, in our episode of Preaching Worth Repeating, I I want to preach this sermon to encourage myself and encourage anybody who wants to eavesdrop today. I want to talk today from the thought how to go on when you feel like giving up. How to go on when you feel like giving up. Our text today is Hebrews chapter 12, beginning at verse 1, a very familiar passage. And I pray to God that even in its familiarity, you don't have contempt for this message, but instead you are open to hear what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you about going on when you feel like giving up. The scene is the Roman Colosseum or a Colosseum like it, where people would gather for sporting events. And this great cloud of witnesses, these these throngs of people would be in the stands and they would be cheering the runners on. They would be cheering those on who are participating in field events. They are rooting for a great show. They are rooting for somebody specifically like they know. And it's that kind of imagery that the Apostle Paul conjures up for us in Romans chapter 12. The writer of Hebrews gives to us several principles that are intended to encourage us and help us along the way. Here's the first thing I want you to see if you're going to go on when you feel like giving up. Number one, you need to remember those who have set a positive example in front of you. You need to remember those who have set a positive example in front of you. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let me stop right there. The word witnesses there does not refer to spectators, but those who have borne witness to and experienced firsthand what you are experiencing in life. This great cloud of witnesses was, in essence, introduced to us in part in Hebrews chapter 11. You remember what is called the hall of, not fame, but the hall of faith. These witnesses, they were not living physically, but they were an example of what it meant to be faithful to God and what it meant to experience the faithfulness of God. Yeah, each one of them experienced God and exercised faith in God in a unique way. You had, for example, the worshiping faith of Abel. 
you had the walking faith of Enoch because he walked with God. You had the working faith of Noah because Noah built an ark even though it had never rained in his lifetime because God said it. You had the waiting faith of of the patriarchs and the warring faith of Moses. And you had the winning faith of people like Joshua and Rahab. Everywhere in the hall of faith, you see an example of what it means to have faith in God, to believe God. And here's basically what God says. It is in this cloud of witnesses and others that we should be able to look and see and find encouragement. They are literally a testimony that if I can do it, you can do it. And these people are literally encouraging us. So the writer of Hebrews in verse 1 says, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. These examples that should serve as an encouragement for you and for me. I think most of you can remember back to career day in school. And you remember on career day, uh, they would bring in different people from various vocations to come in and tell the students about what they did for a living or as a career. And you might have a banker come in, you have a school teacher come in, you'd have a professor come in, you'd have an engineer come in, a lawyer, a doctor. They would bring in a variety of people to speak to various classes. And one of the most powerful things about career day was the opportunity for students to see somebody who had done what they may be thinking about doing or be inspired to do based on who they saw and who they talked to. And there's somebody who's watching right now. You are an attorney because an attorney came to career day and you talked to that attorney and in your mind that seed was planted or maybe a teacher or maybe a doctor or maybe an engineer because of that seed that was planted in you by that witness that stood in front of you. Here's what the writer wants you to know. The same God who was their God is your God. The same God who was with them is the same God who is with you. You look to this cloud of witnesses and the writer basically says to you and to me, be encouraged because if he did it before, he can do it again. Same God right now, same God back then. You can look to them and find encouragement for what you are going through right now because the faithfulness of God has not changed. Come on, somebody put it in the chat. Thank God for his faithfulness. Thank God for his faithfulness. Here's the second thing. If you're going to go on when you feel like giving up, number two, you need or must remove anything that's keeping you from making progress in your life. You must remove anything that's keeping you from making progress in your life. Verse 1, Hebrews 12, the B part, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. 
that, that, that phrase, lay aside, is one word. It, it literally means to put away or to cast off or to throw off. But what's interesting is it's in the middle voice. And the reason that's significant is because according to the language and the syntax, this is something that you are responsible to do for yourself. It's not in the passive voice where you are praying and asking God, God, I want you to throw this off of me. No, God says there's some stuff that's on you that you need to get off of you. You need to take responsibility to get some things, watch this, and some people off or out of your way. One of the reasons it's hard to go on when you feel like giving up is because you're carrying too much stuff. And you need to lay it aside. You asking God, God, I want you to remove this. God says, no. You've got to learn how to remove the limitations you many times have placed on your own life. If you can't say amen, you ought to say ouch. What is it that you have put on you? What is it that you have taken on you? Oh, Lord, have mercy. Watch this. What is it that the world has attempted to put on you, and instead of you giving it to God, you have taken it on yourself? See, there's somebody who's watching right now. Listen to me carefully. You have taken on what the devil bought to you, what he brought to you, and instead of you giving it to the Lord, you have taken it on yourself. You're taking on other people's burdens, other people's issues, other people's immaturity, other people's problems. You have taken it on yourself. And God says, no, you got to learn how to lay it aside. Let me give you an example. Somebody may have hurt you in your past, but if you are still carrying that hurt in your present and that person is long gone out of your life, guess what? You've got to lay it aside. You, you've got to lay aside the emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual mess that the devil brings to encumber your life, to entangle your life, to keep you from walking in the freedom that God has for you, walking in the victory that God has for you. He says you've got to learn how to lay it aside. Lay it aside. Lay it aside. Lay aside what? Look at what the text says. Every weight. Every weight. Every encumbrance. Every burden. Anything that's going to weigh you down, listen to me carefully, that's holding you down or holding you back. He says you've got to let it go. Anything, but don't stop with anything. Somebody in here, you've got to let anybody go that's holding you down or holding you back. Somebody who's pulling you down or pulling you back, so instead of them encouraging you and lifting you, they are literally holding you back from fulfilling your potential in the Lord. It can be a hurt. It can be a habit. It can be a hang-up. Whatever it is, God says you've got to learn how to lay aside every weight. Anything that is an encumbrance. Listen to me carefully. Uh, I'm in the middle of rehab. 
tore my quad muscle and had to have it reattached in surgery. And so I literally now am just working to learn how to walk up and down the steps again using my left leg as a primary leg. And as I am going through rehab, one of the things they started doing just recently is adding weights to my training. So for example, when I first went, I couldn't do a squat. And then I started doing some squats and the squats were getting easier and easier. And so then they said, okay, now here's what we need you to do. Take 15 pounds and hold on to 15 pounds and add 15 pounds. And I'm looking at them saying, I've got enough weight on my body already. Say, yeah, but we want to work you even harder. Take these 15 pounds, hold on to this weight while you are rehabbing or working out. But guess what? I'm not trying to walk around every day with a 15-pound weight in my hands. I don't need extra 15 pounds. That's to help me in a workout situation. But in real life, I'm just trying to walk up and down the steps normally. Here's, here's, Here's what I'm trying to get you to understand. You don't want to carry around unnecessary weight unnecessarily. He says, lay it aside. Lay aside every weight. No athlete plays with weights on their body. No athlete plays with training tools on their body. No athlete plays in the real game with any encumbrances on them. Because what you use in training is to prepare you to perform, not to be used while you perform. But watch what the text says. The writer of Hebrews says, not only should we lay aside every weight, he says, and the sin, which does so easily beset us, and the sin. Now, it's interesting because uh, he doesn't use the word in the plural form for sins, Because most of us, we can identify very quickly somebody's sins, including our own in terms of sinful activity or sinful thoughts, right? So we can easily put an S on the end of sin and think about our sins. But he says, lay aside the weight and sin, the sin, the sin that does so easily beset us. If there is one sin, Lord Jesus, if there is one sin that hurts people who know the Lord more than any other one sin, it is the sin of unbelief. It is the sin of failing to believe God because when we stop believing God, we stop trusting God. And when we stop trusting God, we stop walking by faith and we walk in fear. And we will never see the fulfillment of our potential in the Lord when we walk in unbelief. See, when you start doubting God, you start questioning what God is doing. You start wondering what is God doing. It doesn't make sense to me. Instead of believing God. Come on, the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11, they didn't believe God for the same thing, but they all believed God. 
Abel believed God. Enoch believed God. Moses believed God. Joshua and Rahab believed God. Noah believed God. And God wants to know, will you believe him? He says, because if not, you can't run the race that I've laid out for you. So he says, lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us, so easily entangles us, so easily gets us off of our game, gets our eyes off of Jesus. He says, lay it aside. Let it go. Let it go. Romans 13, verse 12 says, the night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Come on, read it with me, if you will, from the Message Bible. With promises like this to pull us on, dear friends, let's make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us, both within and without. Let's make our entire lives fit and holy temples for the worship of God. Here's the third thing, and it's real simple, but it's right here in the text. If you are going to go on when you feel like giving up, you've got to, number three, run your race. You must run your race. Therefore, verse one, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us run the race with endurance that is set before us. Listen to me carefully. Many of these Hebrew Christians started off well. They started off running with fervor. They started off running with a level of excitement, but when persecution came, when problems came, when trials and tribulations came, some of those same Christians who started strong got weak in a hurry and began to fade off the scene and fall by the wayside. I know of people, for example, who in a moment of excitement announced that they were called to preach, and some of them preached their first sermon, and their first sermon was literally their last sermon. Because something happened along the way that derailed them, that took them off the path that they proudly professed that God had them on. My brothers and sisters, the writer says, run your race. Now let me go to the syntax again because it's important. He says, run, run your race. Uh, present tense, active voice, you're responsible for your running, but it's in the subjunctive mood, which means running more than it being a command is a choice. You have to choose to run your race. Now, can I tell you something? We are typically experts in how other people run their race. And we are many times envious in the way somebody else runs their race instead of focusing on how we're going to run our race. You don't have to say amen. I know I'm right about it. We literally look at somebody else, and you know when we say things like this, boy, if I had their hand, I'd throw my hand in. 
Or we might say something like, you know what, if I had it like them, I'd be doing the same thing. But you're not doing what you can do and the best that you can do with what God has already blessed you with. He says you've got to learn how to lay aside. Don't miss this. Don't miss the order. You've got to lay aside before you can run. How many of you know if you don't lay aside weight and the sin, if you don't lay aside encumbrances and disbelief, that you won't run long and you won't run far? You've got to lay aside in order to run. And for somebody laying it aside... It's not a physical activity. For somebody, it's a mental activity. See, it's when the devil comes in and starts playing tricks with you about what you can't do and how hard it is and how tough it is. And you're tired, you're exhausted, you're mentally drained, and nobody understands, and you're in this all by yourself. It's all those little tricks that the devil plays to stop you from running. And the writer says you've got to run your race. Now, this race is not something um, that is about passive luxury. Running is demanding. Sometimes it's grueling. Sometimes it's agonizing. And it requires the utmost self-discipline, determination, and perseverance. Don't worry about how someone else is running their race. Run your race. He says, let us run Our race with endurance. Another word for endurance is patience, cheerful endurance, constancy, continuing. Don't quit. Don't stop. Keep running your race. Even when you get tired, keep moving, keep running, keep striving. 1 Corinthians 9.24, look at the New Living Translation. Remember that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. You also must run in such a way that you will win. Listen, my brothers and sisters, run the best race you can run. Hebrews 10, beginning at verse 35 Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. Let me get to the last thing, and then I got to take my seat. Here's the fourth and final thing. Number four, if you're going to go on when you feel like giving up, you must continually refocus on the Lord. You must continually refocus on the Lord. On the Lord. Verse 2, Hebrews chapter 12. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. There it is. How many of you listening to me right now have become wearied and discouraged in your souls? I'm talking about a soul weariness, a soul tiredness. I mean, just deep down on the inside. Immeasurable by a doctor's instruments. No x-ray can show it. No MRI can reveal it. 
a weary and discouraged soul. So the writer says, look unto Jesus. Uh, that, that word for looking there is a, a, an intense word. It, it means to consider attentively, to fix your gaze upon Jesus. This is not uh, a casual glance. This is not just turning your head for a moment. No, you keep your eye, you stay focused on the Lord. You keep your focus on the Lord. Here's what I've learned in life, and I know there's somebody who's watching, you're hearing me today. The one way you can get discouraged real easily is to take your eyes off of the Lord. To start looking around at everything that's going on around you, none of which is intended to build you up, but to tear you down. So, I got into photography, and specifically underwater photography, uh, for a season of my life. I, I was doing a lot of scuba diving, and man, I loved taking pictures underwater. And, and I had an SLR, a single lens reflex camera. Uh, this was when we had to develop film, so this wasn't even in the digital age. And what I would have to do is, uh, I would always have to focus my camera. And, and it's amazing because fish underwater don't like to get in the frame. You can't ask them to smile or ask them to stand still. They just swimming. And so I'm, I'm constantly moving the camera, but I got to move it slow enough so that I don't alert the fish or spook the fish. But I also have to keep my focus at the same time. And if it's on autofocus, I've got to let the camera have time to focus because it's not only focusing on the fish, it has to focus through the water, right? So I've got to keep it on the object and then give the camera time to focus in order to get a great shot. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. When you're moving around in life and things are coming at you in life, Sometimes you may keep your eyes on Jesus, but he's not in focus. Yeah, sometimes you may not see him as clearly as you need to see him. You've got to learn how to keep your eyes on Jesus. The Bible says he is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. What does that mean, the author and the finisher of our faith? That word author uh, is the word archegos, archegos. And, and, and it's an interesting word because it literally means uh, author or the captain, uh, the, the chief leader of our faith. Uh, to be the author and finisher means he is the completer. He is our completeness, which means everything we need to run this race is in Jesus. If we follow him and keep our eyes on him, we can run this race. That doesn't mean you're not going to get tired sometimes. That's not, that doesn't mean you're not going to get weary sometimes. But what it does mean is when you keep your eyes on him as the author and finisher of our faith, you find encouragement and inspiration in him that you cannot find when you take your eyes off of him and look at anything or anybody else. Somebody say amen in the chat. 
the, the, the archegos had a, had a special role to play. When, when a ship was in trouble, uh, the, the archegos was the strongest swimmer on the ship. And, and what the archegos would do when a storm was raging and, and people were on board the ship and they couldn't get to land, the archegos would take the end of the rope and dive into the water and swim to shore. He would take the end of the rope, tie it around himself, swim to shore. And then once he got to shore, he tied the rope to a secure object so that everyone on the boat in the storm could make it by holding on to the rope. They could make it to the shore. They could make it to safety because of the archegos. He says, look to Jesus. He's your archegos. He's your author and the finisher of your faith. Look to Jesus who will energize you physically. Look to Jesus who will encourage you emotionally. Look to Jesus who's the one who can cause you to run your race and run it well. Somebody who's watching right now, you're preoccupied with how someone else is running or what other people think about how you run instead of just running your race. You're looking for somebody else's approval for how you run your race. Look to God for approval as to how you run your race. Focus on and follow Jesus. And when you get weary in the race, when your faith runs out and you think God has turned his back on you, when it seems like you will never get out of the mess you are in and you are sure your faith cannot hold on any longer, he says you've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. Family storms and church storms and storms in society may come at you, but keep your eyes on Jesus. Focus on the Lord. Philippians 1.6 says, and I am sure that God, who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on that day when Christ Jesus comes back again. Galatians 6, 9 says, so don't get tired of doing what is good. Don't get discouraged and give up, for we will reap a harvest of blessings at the appropriate time. We shall reap if we faint not. Jonathan is running that race. He's approaching the halfway mark. He's losing ground on those who are now in front of him. His arms are flailing. His knees are kind of wobbling. And he's at a really critical point in the race. And I asked Jonathan, I said, Jonathan, what did you do? He said, well... He said, I heard a voice in the stands. He said, I heard a voice in the midst of all the cheering that was going on. I heard the voice of my coach. And I said, what did your coach say? Because in my mind, I'm thinking his coach said, run faster, get the lead out, pick it up. He said, my coach simply said, Form and focus. 
form and focus. I said, Jonathan, why, why did he tell you that? Jonathan said, well, it wasn't the first time that I hyperventilated. It wasn't the first time that I hadn't gotten my second win yet. It wasn't the first time that I was in this position. And what would happen when I would get in that position, uh, my form would break down. And then instead of focusing on the race, I started focusing on my form. And so he would holler out, form and focus. In other words, get your form right and focus on running the best race you can. Form and focus. Jonathan said, I heard the voice of my coach. And as I began to come into that third turn, I began to make up significant ground. And I could hear him in my ear hollering, form and focus. He said, I came around the last turn and I was coming down the home stretch and there was one person in front of me and I noticed that that person, their head was wobbling and their arms were flailing and their legs were going every which way. But I was running down the final stretch, concentrating on my form and concentrating on running that race. He said the crowd was cheering, but all I could hear was my coach saying, form and focus. And he said, I ran down that final stretch and won the race. And here's all I want to tell somebody. Every now and then it's easy to get discouraged along the way. Every now and then your arms may start flailing and you may feel like sitting down. You may feel like giving up. But I want you to hear your archegos, hear Jesus, your Savior, saying, form and focus. Keep on running your race. Run the best race that you can. You got a mother who's hollering, form and focus. Somebody, you got a daddy who's hollering, form and focus. Somebody, you got a grandmama, my dear big mama, who's hollering, form and focus. And they're telling you, run the best race you can and run your race the best way you can. Form and focus. And can I tell you something? I'm determined today. Y'all don't even see it. You may not be able to feel it. I preach myself happy. I thought about this last night. Cofield, get your form and get your focus back. You, you lost your form and you're focusing on the wrong thing. You're focusing on everything going on around you instead of focusing on the one who is with you. Let's keep our form and let's keep our focus on Jesus. Father, we thank you and bless you for today. We thank you because in your word you said to be steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. God, I thank you because as I think about this message, I think about saints who have gone home to be with the Lord. I think about 
our previous five pastors and I can hear them in the spirit realm saying form and focus keep running your race think about mothers of the church who have gone home to be with you and deacons and leaders who have gone home to be with you and members who have gone home to be with you hollering pastor form and focus father give us what we need to run our race so we can keep running keep praying keep fighting and keep serving in your name it's in jesus name we pray amen father we thank you god i thank you i got thank you i thank you god i thank you god lord i thank you somebody who's watching right now listen to me carefully if you know Jesus, I'm, I'm praying for you that God has encouraged you today. If you need Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity today to say yes to the Lord. Just, just a couple of weeks ago, we had several people who felt led of the Lord to unite with our church online. I can't tell you how many people who have come to our parking lot praise services and our outreach events who have said, Pastor, as soon as you reopen, we're coming. And I thank God for that. But my concern right now is you. If you're watching right now and you need the Lord into your life, you need God in your life, I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to the Lord. If you've never asked the Lord into your life, if you would click on the button, either on the website or the app, and says, I want to become a Christian. But how? I want to know how to become a Christian. Um, I will lead you personally through our video recording how to ask Jesus Christ into your life how to pray the prayer of salvation if you want to become part of our church family then click on the link that says I want to become part of the church family I want to join the church I want to know how and we'd love to welcome you into our fellowship and facilitate your discipleship on a digital platform until God sees fit to bring us back together. And for those of you who may be watching in some 134 countries, 133 outside of the United States, if you feel that we can help you become the disciple that Jesus wants you to be, please unite with us. We would love to help you in any way that we can. I want to thank you for your giving. For those of you who have given uh, throughout this service, I want to say thank you. For those of you who have been waiting, I want to thank you for your faithfulness. There are six ways that you can give here at Good Hope on the digital online platform. And I want to thank you for your faithfulness. And I want to thank those of you who bring your offerings by, those members who live here in Houston and you bring your offerings by, you come through through the parking lot praise. Thank you so much for your faithfulness. Uh, it's continuing to allow us to do the great things that God is calling us to do. Uh, this past week, I did an interview on a radio station in, in Chicago. Um, I taught a class for a seminary and college in Corpus Christi. And over and over again, they're asking questions like, how can the church make a difference? And, and not just what are we doing, but why do we do what we do? And we do what we do 
because I believe it is critical for us to show the world the love of God in action. Jesus condemns the person when somebody comes to them hungry and, and they say, I'm going to pray for you. Go be warm and be filled. Right? Uh, we, we do what we do to show the love of God to a world in some instances that doesn't know who Jesus is. And so I want to thank you for your giving to our food pantry. Uh, we're working now with our health and wellness initiative. Uh, I want to thank our partners, HEB and others, for our vaccination event. And we're looking at helping other churches to get it around the city, as well as establishing some permanent things here on our campus. Uh, there's just so many things that we can do to be a blessing in Jesus' name. And it's all tied to our faithfulness in our giving, not just our treasure, but the giving of our time, our talent, our temple, the giving of who we are makes a difference. I got to say thank you to the 50 to 100 people who have come out every week over the last year to volunteer their services. Man, we didn't miss a beat. Sometimes they were double masked and they had on gloves. Pastor Sloan had his team out there, and I want to thank God for him as we continue to share the love of God with others through our outreach ministries. I also want to encourage you to be prayerful in your support uh, of Pastor Sloan and his wife, Marshall. Uh, they are prepping to go to Uganda. Um, the Lord has not said anything different to him. They are still raising funds to do that. Um, we are committed in terms of our monthly support, and I want to encourage you, uh, maybe you have some friends that go to other churches, uh, some other people who would want to support uh, the Sloans in this work. Uh, I want to encourage you to share their information with other people so that we can be part of changing the world and taking hope to the world through the Sloans in Uganda. All right? Listen. Don't forget, God is doing something wonderful in you. God is doing something wonderful in me. Oh, let me remind you, if you still want to give your gift for your 149th church anniversary gift, you can still do that as well. Just go online, go to our app, download Givelify, whichever means you choose. Or if you just want to give a gift, you can do that in remembrance of our 149th anniversary. All right. God is doing something wonderful in you. God is doing something wonderful in me. Let's thank God and praise God for all that he's doing. And remember, you can go on even when you feel like giving up. God bless.